welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 23, or you can click over there on your devices. Uh, we are in week four of our series called Hope Unshakable, and, and I do want to welcome just uh, just all of our locations here at uh, on 224, and then welcome to uh, Bluffton Community, and then our online campus as well. So glad all of you are with us today. And uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Fritz Bilo. I serve here as one of the pastors at Lighthouse Community. Oh man, yeah, you don't even know what I'm about to say. So uh, <laughs> Nick is buying everyone lunch today, so yeah. <laughs> all right, just kidding. That may not be happening. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm so glad you're here. But uh, this morning, as we begin to look at Psalm 23, what I'd like to do is, it's not a very long psalm, but I'd like for us to just read this uh, out loud together uh, to begin our, our, our discussion today. So uh, here at Lighthouse, also at Bluffton Community, and our online campus, wherever you're at, um, actually, let's read this passage out loud together, starting with, the Lord is my shepherd. Are you ready? Go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Great job. Well, it's, it's likely that you have come across uh, this psalm before. Uh, it's probably uh, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture uh, that are there. You know, you might see it uh, hanging in someone's living room, or if you've been to a funeral, there's a good chance that that was read at some point uh, during there. Uh, actually, this, this passage holds a special place for me. Uh, it's actually the, like the second Bible passage I ever quoted from memory uh, after I had come to faith. I'd only been a, a Christ follower for maybe, uh, maybe a couple months at this point. And uh, what it was is uh, my family was at Cedar Point, and my oldest sister convinced me. So I'm like 16, 17 at this point. And my oldest sister, Monica, had convinced me to, uh, you know, look, Fritz, you're almost an adult. It's time for you to ride a roller coaster, right? <laughs> I used to just hang with the strollers, right? That was my job, make sure nobody took anything. Um, but so I, I get on this roller coaster with her, and I'll tell her we're going up that, you know, click, 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 click. And it's like going forever. And all of a sudden, like what just starts pouring out of me is, is, right, is this passage right here, right? Like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, click, 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 you know, I will fear no, ah, you know, like, and I'm like, ah. You know, I'm just, I am freaking out and losing it, man. I thought I was going to die. We were, it was the blue streak. Uh, that's the, uh, that was the first one. I, <laughs> that's not a joke. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, listen, I didn't think I was going to make it. I really didn't. So yeah, this Psalm 23 has always kind of hung close to my heart uh, for that reason. But, uh, you know, when, when you read this passage, uh, the major point 
that, that King David, right, who, who the Holy Spirit inspired to write this, the main point that King David is making in this psalm is this, is that God can be trusted. That's, that's the point he's making in this psalm. God can be trusted. And in fact, you can trust God to care for you. That, that is the point that he's making here, right? And so you, and so the, you might even like beg the question, why? 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 Why can I trust God to care for me? Why would I trust God to care for me? And what David said is this, is, is that God is like a shepherd, and he's like the host of a victory party. Right? You, you begin to see this in the past. He said, God is like a shepherd. He's like a host of a victory party. And, and why that's important is this. You have to understand that in Eastern culture, uh, when they describe things, right, which Jewish culture is, is Eastern culture, Middle Eastern culture, um, when they describe things, they use language that's very concrete, very, very image-rich, right, it's more so than we are. As Western people, right, we're heavily influenced by Greek thought, and so we think very abstract, very principally, right? What I mean by that is this. Uh, we would say things like, um, you know, we would talk about truth, we would talk about love. We would talk about influence. We would talk about power, right? Those are the kind of things we talk about in, in Western culture. But in the Eastern culture, what, what they would do, they're more image-rich. And so instead of saying God is love, which is true, in, in the Middle Eastern culture, they would say something like this. God is a tender father to his children. Instead of saying uh, God is, is strong, right? They would say this. God is a fortress and a shield, and in doing that, what, what they're saying is this, hey, do, do you know what a, what, a, what a tender father is like with his children? Do you know, do you know what that's like? Do you, do you know what a fortress is like, how, like how impenetrable they are? Do you know how loving and kind a father is towards his children? That's what God's like. That, that's what they're saying when they're using those images, saying, you know these things that are true about these different images, that's also what God is like. And so David is using this really image-rich, concrete pictures to describe God. And so when David wrote that the Lord is my shepherd, what he's saying is this. You know what a shepherd's like? You know what a shepherd's like? You, you, know, you know how a shepherd actually guides his sheep to pastures where they can find food? You know, you know how, a, how a shepherd guides his sheep to calm waters so they can uh, have something to drink and, and be sustained, right? Uh, you know how a shepherd just knows when his sheep need rest and, and need to just simply lie down and, and how a shepherd knows how to guide his sheep through different kinds of terrain, whether it's flat or rocky or you're going uphill, you're going downhill. He knows how to guide them. You know how a shepherd provides everything for his sheep because he cares about them and he's with them? David's saying, that's what God is like towards me. This, this is what he's describing. He says, everything you know about a shepherd, those things that you're like, that's, that's what God is like. And, and he's saying, that's why you can actually trust God to care for you. Because he's a shepherd. God is a shepherd who provides everything you need. God's a shepherd who provides everything you'll need, Right? He's like a shepherd who provides food and water to sustain you. You don't have to worry, right? Uh, he, God is a shepherd who provides rest, like real rest, rest all the way to the depths of your soul that actually it begins to restore who you are, 
right? God is a shepherd who provides guidance in what to do in any kind of situation, right? Doesn't, doesn't matter what's going on, what you face, what you're going through. God can provide guidance in every situation for the purpose of revealing his glory, right? That's what David is saying here in these opening verses when he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he begins to describe what he's like and what he does and what he accomplishes. And, and David says, you know, God, God is a shepherd who is with you. He's present. He's, he's with you. That even when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, Right? You notice that there in the passage, right? Look at, look at verse 4 for just a moment, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? For you're with me. You're there. You're with me. You've not left me alone. And you know, what's interesting is there's actually a play on words that's going in, in, in verse 4. Right? What, what actually, uh, the original Hebrew, the, the closer uh, translation would be this. Even though I walk through the shadowiest of shadows. That's actually what it's saying there. Even though I walk through the shadowiest of shadows. Even though I would walk through the blackest of black. Even though I would walk through a darkness that's so dark that even darkness gets scared of that level of darkness, right? This is, what, this is what David is saying. He said, even when I'm in that kind of situation where the darkness is pressing in and it seems like there's no hope, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Because you're with me. And if you have me, I have all I need, right? My shepherd is with me. And David, if you know uh, anything from his experience, uh, David, you know, he's speaking that from experience. David faced tough times. I mean, he was a shepherd himself as a young man. And so he's speaking out of personal experience, but also David faced very dark times in his life. You know, as a young man, Israel's first king, his name was Saul, uh, did not like that God had chosen David to be the next king instead of his own son, Jonathan. And so you know how Saul reacted to that? You know what he wanted to do to David? Wanted to kill him. <laughs> he actually tried to kill him. He hunted him down, right, multiple times, all right? David was like a fugitive running from cave to cave, from village to village, right? That's a dark time in your life. You got somebody trying to kill you. When, when David was king, right, uh, another dark time, a warring nation, uh, came in, stole the Ark of the Covenant, which actually represented God's presence among the nation of Israel. It's like the, literally the most treasured possession that the Israelites have, and they stole it. David lost it under his watch as king. Right? Can you imagine being that guy? Um, as David's kids grew up and got older and become, became uh, adults, his family disintegrated into absolute chaos. Right? I mean, it was just craziness. Uh, one of his sons actually abused one of his daughters. Right? Uh, another son actually led a military coup against David and tried to kill him. Right? I don't, I don't care how weird your Thanksgiving has been. It's never been this bad. Right? Like it's, <laughs> it's not got to this level. Right? But as, as you read through David's life, especially Samuel too, you actually kind of see really clearly the darkness that David walked through in his life. I mean, these were some of the shadowiest of shadows. Right? And so from experience, what David writes, what David says is this, God, 
Even though I walk through the shadowiest of shadows, the blackest of black, the darkness that's so dark that even the dark gets scared in the dark. When I go through those moments and those times, I know you're with me. I know you're with me. And I'm not overcome with fear. Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You, you are my shepherd who cares for me. And I trust you. This is what David is saying. I trust you. I have all that I need when God has me. I have all that I need when God has me. And so some of you, right, you can relate to what David has gone through. Uh, you have walked through some of the shadowiest of shadows. You know what that's like, right? You've faced difficult things personally in your own life. You've, you've walked with others as they have trudged through the valley. Some of, some of us right now are walking through the valley. Right? We, we do not know what is coming next, and we're like in the midst of this thing right now. You know, you got the unexpected news about your health. You got the unexpected news about your job. You got the unexpected news about your friend, about your son and your daughter. You got the unexpected news about your future. And, and it's really, really different than what you were expecting. That is not what you were expecting to, to come through and to face and to walk through. And you may even be to the place where you like wake up in the morning and as soon as you wake up, uh, you're actually already done. The day hasn't even started and I think I'm done. All right? Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're asking the question, what do I do? What am I supposed to do in this situation? How, how am I supposed to walk through this? It feels like way too much. And what David would say to you, in that situation, he would say this, listen, I get it. I know what you're going through. I have been there. Let me tell you what you need to do. Trust God as your shepherd. God is your shepherd. Trust him to take care of you. That's what David would say. That's what he would say here in this moment. And we know this to be true, right? We know this to be true in our minds, we know this to be true in our hearts, right, at our core. And at the same time, there's something that resists against that simplified answer, right? There's something, like maybe you even sense it right now as we're talking about it. Hey, God is your shepherd. Just trust him to care for you. And you're going, yeah, but, right? So you, you sense the resistance even in, in your own self. Because for many of us, we have trusted others in the past and we have been burned, We've trusted others in the past, and we were let down, all right? You took, right? It's the, you took a risk. Remember the old uh, trust falls, all right? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll catch you. We're there, man, <laughs> and they're not there. <laughs> you fell backwards and kept right on going until you slammed on the door. Some of those, it's your own fault because you actually went forward, right? Like, you're supposed to go backwards, you know, you went forward instead, so. Uh, but, yeah, it's the trust fall. You went back, and no one was there to catch you. Your dad wasn't there. Your best friend, who said she would always be there, wasn't there. Your business partner cleared out everything and took off with what your plans uh, had been and walked away. Your spouse, who promised in sickness and in health, in good times and bad, actually left. All right? 
And so, so, so what happens is being let down, right? Somebody who fails, somebody who fails under the weight of our trust, it's common. Probably shouldn't be, but it is. Every one of us have stories where we've trusted somebody and they've let us down, right? And, and, and there's a way where you walk away from that and you go, whew, I'm not doing that again. I am not putting myself in that position again where I am left like holding the bill. I am left in this crumpled mess, vulnerable for everybody to see. I'm not doing that, right? You trust, you get let down, and I'm not doing that again in the future. But you have to catch this. You have to understand this, right? You have to understand that trust, trust is the absolute basis of friendship. It's, it's the core level. Trust is the absolute basis base, core level, foundation of real friendship, of a real relationship. If there's no trust, there's actually no relationship. Did you know that? If there's no trust, there's actually no meaningful. You might recognize somebody. You might say hi. You know, you might not wish them ill. But if there's no trust, there's actually no friendship. If there's no trust, there's no relationship. And so if you're not willing to allow yourself to be put into a place of vulnerability, to be put in a place of transparency, then you'll actually never have a genuine friendship and you'll actually never experience genuine love. Because the basis of friendship, the basis of relationship is actually trust. That is the foundation of it. And so there is simply risk inherent in trusting God to care for you. I get that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm in the same position. There's risk to say, I'm going to trust God, right? I'm going to follow him no matter what. And, and so that trust issue is a very real issue, but there's an even deeper issue than that that you actually have to get through when you're dealing with that trust issue. And, it's, and every one of us has to acknowledge it. Every one of us has to work through it. You know, what it is, is this. And so in David's time, so David was king like around 1000 BC, right? It was a little bit before that, but that's the general, the general time frame. But in, in that day, right, in, in the historical context, it was common for the kings and the leaders of a nation, of a tribe, of a village, of a city, uh, or whatever, it was common for kings and leaders to be referred to as shepherds. It's very common for the leaders over a village, a tribe, a community to be referred to as the shepherd to describe their authority. And so the kings were the caretakers of their people. They were the shepherds of their tribe or their nation. And so to speak of another person as a shepherd is actually to speak not only of their care, but it's also to speak of their authority, of their leadership, right? And so for David to say, the Lord is my shepherd, what he's saying is this. Yes, yes, God is like a shepherd in the way that he takes care of us and he provides for us. And God is the true king of my life. God has authority over me. That's what David is saying when he says it. He leads and I follow. He provides and I praise him. He's present, and I trust him. God is shepherd means that God is king. And that means that I am not. Right? See, that's, that's the other piece that's the behind 
this idea of the Lord is my shepherd. And there's, and there's a level where that truth scrapes against us because we've all set ourselves up. We have all seen ourselves, and probably to, to a degree, even today, we see ourselves as kings. Right? I'm king. I'm king. We, we have, everyone of us, we have this unnatural bent towards ourselves. Did you know, did you know that? Every single one of us, right? You're going, hey, well, we're really, it's really observant, Fritz. <laughs> yeah, we, every one of us, we have this unnatural bent towards ourselves. And, and it feels natural because it's like, well, I just, you know, but it's not. It's actually, it's this outside intruder. We desire to be king. We want to be king. Maybe not king over the world. That might not be too bad. But anyway, what we really want is we just want to be king over our lives, we, we want to be king over our, our, our own lives. We want to be king over our situation. We want to be king over our futures. And so by trusting ourselves to God's care, by placing ourselves under his kingship and his authority actually requires that we would surrender our own crowns before him and lay them down. Surrender our own authority. Surrender our own independence before God the shepherd, God the king. And so in the same way that a shepherd has full authority and responsibility over sheep, so God requires full authority and full responsibility over you. Full, full authority and full responsibility over, over me, right? In the same way. Because the sheep don't always know where the next pasture is, right? Right? The sheep don't always know where the next pasture is. The sheep don't always understand how far it is to get to the next group of still waters. The sheep aren't always privy to how long they're actually going to be walking through the shadowiest of shadows. For the most part, what the sheep know is this, where the shepherd is and where he's leading. That's about all they know. And, and so that's the kind of trust that God actually requires from us. That's what it looks like. That's actually what it looks like for God, for the Lord to be your shepherd, for the Lord to be my shepherd. And it's terrifying <laughs> to cross that line. Like, let's just, let's just be honest about that for a moment, right? It's terrifying to cross that line. Because all the questions come up. Well, well, if I trust God to that degree, what, what about? Well, what if? But, but they're not. How am I supposed to? Are we there yet? Right? Like, it's like all of these questions that are, you know, if I surrender my kingship to God, what will that mean for me? What will that look for the people who are counting on me? Right? Do you realize we do that? Actually, sometimes what we do is we maintain our leadership for others. There are people who are counting on me. And if I were to live that kind of trust, how would they know that they can count on me? Who are you teaching them to trust? That's a question. Because David would say, when, when your shepherd has you, you have everything you need. If anybody else has you, you don't have everything you need. Right? And David says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. When the shepherd has me, I have all that I need. But to a degree, it seems impossible, right? It seems almost impossible to trust God. 
seems impossible to trust my kingship, my authority, to God. But you have to catch this. There's another king. There's another king. A true king. A real, a real king. His name is Jesus Christ. You see, with this king, actually all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. Everything goes underneath his feet. In fact, all of creation was made through him and for him. You have to understand that about this king. And in multiple places, the Bible describes him as the one before whom all creation will bow down and worship, right? Regular people, poor people, wealthy people, government officials, kings, queens, authorities, right? All, everyone, everyone will bow down before him and acknowledge him as the rightful and sovereign ruler over everything. And he stands as the co-eternal person of the Godhead, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Three persons, all equally God, and there is one God. That's Jesus' son. And so this king, I want you to think about this. This king, knowing that he was king, all authority in heaven and earth belonged to him. Everybody's going to bow down to him. This king, knowing that he was king, actually entrusted himself to God's care, entrusted himself to God's leadership, and he submitted to God's shepherding in his life. You have to see that. And actually in the process, you know what Jesus did? You know what Jesus the king did? Jesus the king actually surrendered his crown, right? Surrendered his crown, and he followed God as he walked pathways of righteousness. Everything he did, he did under the authority of the Father. He never turned left, he never turned right. He did everything the Father asked him to do. He only spoke that which the Father asked him to say. He only did that which the Father asked him to do. Even as others opposed him, right? And God shepherded him. God shepherded him and led him, actually, to the shadowiest of shadows. God actually led him to the cross. Right? You have to understand. He led him to death on the cross. And, and, and he didn't do that like to prove something to himself. <laughs> he didn't do it to like prove something to someone else. See, Jesus knew that he was the rightful king of the universe. You have to know that. It's not something he discovered later. Jesus knew who he was. What he did was he actually died on the cross as a sacrifice for my sin. He died on the cross as a sacrifice, as a final, the ultimate sacrifice for your sin. For my sin, right? To die in our place as the rightful punishment for our sin. You, you have to see this. You got to catch this. The king became the lamb. You have to see that. The rightful king over creation submitted himself and became the lamb. And the lamb of God walked right to the torturous death of the cross without fear of evil. How? Because you are with me. Right? It's verse 4. Psalm 23, verse 4. Because you are with me. God, I know that you are with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. 
And so alone, Jesus by himself faced the full wrath of God for our sin. He faced separation from the Father. The author of life suffered death. Jesus experienced the blackest of black. The darkest of dark that's so dark that even the dark gets scared. Jesus walked through the shadowiest of shadows, right? The valley of the shadow of death. And what was on the other side of that? Well, when you look at Psalm 23, verses 5 and 6, you begin to get a picture of what's going on. It says this, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so what David is describing here is describing a victory party. He's describing a celebration. And so Jesus walked through the shadowiest of shadows, the valley of the shadow of death, right? And when he walked through that, knowing that his God was with him, his shepherd was with him, right? The Father was with him. On the other side of that was resurrection. Resurrection from death was the ultimate confirmation that Jesus really is the Son of God. It was the ultimate confirmation that he really is the King of Kings. He really is the Lord of Lords, right? That he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And his enemies, I want you to think about this. The enemies of God look on as Jesus celebrates victory over sin and death. They're there. They see it. They watch it. They can't believe it. They're blown away. We thought we won. And they didn't. And he feasts in their presence, enjoying the goodness of the Father. But here's what's interesting. The party, the banquet, the victory, it's not only for him. It's not only for Christ. Actually, what he does is Jesus serves as host. Jesus serves as the master of ceremonies that all who will put their faith in Jesus Christ, all who will trust him as their true shepherd, their true king, all those who will actually surrender their own crowns and trust themselves to his care alone actually get a seat at the table, and they're treated as guests of honor. It's you show up as a scoundrel, and by grace through faith, you sit as a son and a daughter of the king, adopted <laughs> into the family. You're washed, you're cleansed by the blood, you're given new clothes, you're actually anointed by the gift of the Holy Spirit so that God himself actually lives within you, right? All of these are just gifts that the Father lavishes out upon us when we put our faith in him. The blessings are so overwhelming, there's no cup that can contain them. It's literally overflowing. And you live with the knowledge that you will dwell with God forever, that we will be his people and he will be our God. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. When you realize that, when you realize what Jesus has actually done on your behalf, when you realize that Jesus has actually already traveled the pathway for you, right? He has already walked for you. Then, and only then, are you able to actually trust yourself to, for God to care for you. Do, here's what you got to catch. Do you, see, do you see that there's actually no darkness? There's no darkness that you will ever walk through that is as dark as what Jesus has already walked through on your behalf. Do you, do you see that? 
There, there is actually, there's no, there's no black, there's no darkness, there's no evil, there's no suffering, there's no anything that you will walk through that will even come close to what Christ has already walked through on your behalf, right? That's why you fear no evil. Because, because of this, because Jesus has faced the absolute worst there is to face. And that doesn't mean that the shadows that you walk through don't matter. That is not what I'm communicating at all. Rather, it means this, that if Jesus could trust God through the absolute worst, then you and I can trust God through what is not the absolute worst. Do you see that? It, to me, it's, it just rings so clear. It's, and, and because we have a shepherd who can identify with us. He's not off in, you know, on his own in some ivory tower. He, he identifies with us. He's the, why? Because he's the shepherd who became the lamb. Right In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus actually makes this statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right? I, I'm not off here just pointing to the next hill and where we're going. No, no, no. I actually entered into this existence. And he knows, Jesus knows firsthand what it's like to trust God to trust himself to God's care and to God's leadership moment by moment, day by day. And so our shepherd is not unsympathetic to our challenges. He actually has compassion for us. And the point that Jesus is making in that is this, right? That God, the Lord is our shepherd still today. This is not something that's for David thousands of years ago or for the nation of Israel as they were going through their stuff or for Jesus in his time. But actually, the Lord is our shepherd still today. He leads us. He protects us. He guides us even still today if we will hear his voice and follow him. Did you know you can actually learn to hear the voice of God? Did you know that? You actually can. Actually, uh, let's look at this verse, John chapter 10, verse uh, 27. Um, it says this. Let's go to that next passage if we can, please. Let's read this verse out loud together. It says, my sheep hear my voice. Are you ready? Go. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's Jesus speaking, right? My sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And what this means is this, is if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to hear God's voice. If you belong to him, you can hear his voice. He will speak to you. And actually, if you belong to him, you'll follow him. That's what he's saying here. Now, if God is inviting you to follow him, if God is inviting you to become one of his sheep, you'll start to hear his voice as well. But it does beg the question, if Jesus is speaking and we can hear him, how, how does God speak to us? How can we hear him? Well, there's three primary ways that God speaks to us. And it's very simple. One way is this, God speaks to us through the Bible. Another way is God speaks to us through other growing disciples, right, other believers. And a third way that God speaks to us is through his Holy Spirit, right, and through prayer. And so, since any friendship is based on trust, and trust is built through spending time together, it's only natural that to learn to hear God speak to you and to trust him, you're actually going to have to spend time with him. You'll want to spend time with him. Right? to discover who he is. And so spending time reading and studying through the Bible, 
is, is one of, one of the, the best ways, one of those foundational ways that you can discover who God is. And so I would encourage you to do this. Here's an idea if you've never really read Scripture much before at all. I would encourage you to do this. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Psalm 27. And so this week, you might actually spend time reading Psalm 27, right? It's actually a next step on the back of your connection card that you could take. You could check it out and say, yeah, I am going to read Psalm 27 this week. Now, if you actually take that step, as you're reading, you, you would spend time asking questions like this. Hey, what is Psalm 27 saying about what is God like, right? Who is God? What does God do? How does God respond to situations? How does Psalm 27 invite me to trust God in my life, right? And then you can take some time and actually write down what you're learning, Right? Write down what you're discovering about who God is. Write down what you're learning about his character and how you can trust him and what it means for your life. You know, how is it that you can see God working through situations in your life today? Right? But the more you spend time discovering about who God is from the Bible, what you actually begin to do is you begin to develop a library. Right? You begin to develop a library of truth in a library of experiences that, that take up residency in your heart that you begin to lean on every day in your life, moment by moment, right? You're just, you're just trusting him with great consistency. But it begins with discovering his character, who he is from the scripture. Now, as you're reading, I would encourage you to do this. Talk about what you're discovering, right? Talk about what you're learning with other growing disciples. Man, I'm finding this out about God. Ask them questions about how these different truths have played out in their own lives or how they've seen God work, how they've trusted God, right? All of those things. And if there's something you don't understand, man, reach out. Like, reach out and ask questions. There is, there is nothing wrong, right? I still do that today. I'll be reading something kind of like, man, this seems really challenging, and so I might ask Christine about something. I might, you know, ask one of our elders. I might ask another friend and just say, hey, I'm reading this, and, and this is challenging me. Um, what do you think? Does this seem consistent with the character of God and, and what the rest of Scripture says? And what happens is God will actually use other growing disciples to, to confirm, to affirm, right, what he's saying through Scripture. And so learn to hear his voice through Scripture. Learn to hear his voice through other growing, growing disciples. But also spend time listening to God's voice in prayer right? Because the Holy Spirit will actually speak to you. He will guide you. He will give you direction, right? Uh, through situations. And so one of the big questions that, that people ask all the time when we kind of talk about, you know, because uh, Galatians talks about staying in step with the Holy Spirit, right? And so people ask the question, well, how do you know? Like, how do you know? Like, if, if, if something comes in your mind or in your spirit, like, how do you know it's from God and it's not from you and it's not some other idea or it's not, you know, like pizza you had late last night or, you know, all of that. So how do you know that that was God, well, here's the big one. First is this. The Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever say anything to you that is actually in opposition to Scripture. <laughs> it actually doesn't happen, right? Actually, Scripture and, and, and the Holy Spirit work in partnership together. Jesus said one of his uh, key ministries is leading us into truth, right? And so the Holy Spirit is actually never going to lead us into opposition to the Scripture. But then there's sometimes like, well, uh, the Scriptures don't tell me if I should move to another city and take this job or actually stay where I'm at, right? And that's a fair, 
That's a fair question. So, so I'm not sure if I'm hearing from God. What do I do? Well, usually here's, here's what I kind of, I work through a little bit of a practical thing in my own life, and I'll ask three questions. And the, and the three questions are this. First, if there's something that, I, I, that I'm, uh, you know, I feel like maybe God has said to me, but I'm not quite sure, first question I always ask is, what does the Bible say about this? And so I'm just going, I'm reading everything I can read and discover about what Scripture says about this thing, this topic, his character, what he's like, all of that. That's the first thing. The second question I'll ask is this. This decision that I'm getting ready to make or this thing that I thought I heard, will it bring glory to God or will it bring glory to something else or to someone else instead of God? Right? See, God, you even see in Psalms, right? He leads us in paths of righteousness for whose namesake? His namesake, right? Our lives under the authority of Jesus Christ as our shepherd are for his glory, actually not our own, <laughs> and not for anybody else's. So that's the second question I ask. Is this thing I'm hearing, is this decision I'm going to make, is this going to bring God glory, or is this going to bring glory to someone or something else instead? The last question I'll ask is this. Will this decision or this thing that I'm hearing about, will this draw me closer to God, or will it actually cause me to wander away? Right? Those are the three questions I typically work through and ask when I'm kind of not sure, you know, is this God? Is, am I following? You know, is, is this the shepherd leading me? I'll work through those three questions. And usually by the time I can answer those, right, it's like pretty ironclad at that point, what God would have me to do. Because what it's doing is actually posturing me in a situation or in, in, a, in a, a position to listen. Is to just listen, right? And listen to what God has to say. We, you and I, we are created to depend on God. We're created to follow him. We're created to love him. We're created to be with him and to rely on him. And, and so what happens, right? We all face different situations in our life, right? Every one of us, doesn't matter your background or where you're at right now. But what happens is this, is when too much, here's what David is saying, is when too much month is left at the end of the money, right? Like depend on God, this is what he's saying here. When your children make you want to lock yourself in a closet and just cry, depend on God, right? That's what, this is what David is saying. When, when you're preparing to send your young adults off to college for the very first time, depend on God. When you're not sure about the future of your company, depend on God. When it seems like the enemy is winning, depend on God. When everything is going great and it seems like you can see every logical step and you can handle it, depend on God. Maybe even more so than in any other season of your life. Because when you think you got it and you have it under control and I can do this on my own, Probably more than ever is a time that you need to lean into the shepherd and trust his guidance and his following, right? But the more you discover God's character, the more you find out who he is, the closer you walk with him, the more you begin to trust him, the deeper your friendship becomes. And as that happens, you begin to hear the voice of the shepherd more and more. And you understand what David is talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. When God has me, I have everything I need. You see, God is a shepherd who cares for and leads his sheep. But you have to catch this. He doesn't only care for this flock, right? He doesn't only care for, quote, unquote, what we may say, his sheep. 
You see, Jesus actually told a parable to his disciples one day to help them understand God's love for those who are wandering on their own. Maybe you've heard this story that Jesus shared before. It comes out of Matthew 18. But here's the story. It says, hey, God is like this, right? There's a man who has 100 sheep. And if one of them wanders off, that man will actually leave the 99 to go in search of the one. He'll go looking for the one. He'll go chasing after the one. He'll go searching and find the one. And when he finds it, he grabs it, he puts it on its, his shoulders and carries it back. And when he gets back, he celebrates and rejoices over this wandering lost sheep that he has brought back home to the 99. And so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That's what Jesus says. That yes, God cares and loves for the sheep in his pasture and he's in search and he's going and he's sending us in search of those wandering sheep who haven't put their faith in the shepherd yet. And maybe you're there. You go, you know, I've never trusted Jesus Christ with my life. I have never come to a place where I've surrendered my crown, my leadership, my authority to the leadership and the authority of Jesus Christ. That has never happened for me. Maybe today you're beginning to sense the Holy Spirit inviting you into that, right? And you need to hear this. God loves you. And you have an invitation from Jesus Christ to come and sit at the table by grace, through faith, in him alone. It's normal to trust God to care for you, right? I did, I did not meet Jesus until I was a young man. And until then, I wandered lots, did lots of things that, I, that were not helpful, just simply trying to do the best I could, but they weren't very good. When God found me and I turned to follow him, Instead of following myself, he profoundly changed my life. And all the statistics that were true of my family before that should be true of me are false. <laughs> They're not true. They don't work, right? Why? Because when God steps in and does something, he radically transforms people's lives and we're never left the same. He changed my life. Many of you have had your lives transformed through Jesus Christ. And if that hasn't happened for you in your life yet, here's what I would say, right? Lean in. The shepherd's making the invitation. It's normal for you to trust him. It's normal for you to follow him. It's normal for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your forgiver and leader. And if you want the shepherd, come and get him. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We close every message the same way. And it's by asking the question, uh, Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message? What are you saying to me through this scripture? And I just want you to take a moment to listen to what he's saying to you. Father, I praise you that we do not have a shepherd who is incapable to lead his entire flock. 
I thank you that we do not have a shepherd who is impersonal and doesn't know his entire flock. I thank you that we have a shepherd who knows us, knows everything about us better than we know ourselves. I thank you that we have a shepherd who is capable to fulfill his plan and to lead us to himself. I praise you that we have a shepherd who has a plan, who has capacity, who has the authority to lead in, in whatever way that your will leads you and brings you joy and glory. I thank you that you have the capacity to transform wandering lives that are destined for eternal separation to actually put our trust in you and to become sons and daughters of the king, to sit at the table and to feast. A victory and a celebration that we didn't earn ourselves, but was actually won on our behalf. And we get all the benefits. We enjoy all the blessings. We enjoy all the victory. We enjoy all the righteousness. And you do it because you love us. You do it because you're true to yourself. You do it because it brings your name great glory. And we praise you for that. And I would pray for my friends across all of our locations that, that may be going through some of the shadowiest of shadows right now. That, that you would lead them to make the intentional decision. I am trusting my shepherd. I would, I would pray for my friends on all of our locations who are actually living like at the apex of their life right now and everything's going great and everything seems to be falling their ways. I pray that they would make the decision right now to trust the shepherd, to lean in to your direction, to your guidance, to your provision, as opposed to trusting their own. And we would pray for anybody that you are inviting right now to make the decision to follow you for the very first time, that they would say yes. <laughs> That they would know that it is good, it is normal, it is right to trust the Son, to glorify the Father, to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. We bless your name, God, for you alone are good, unlike anyone else. You are our shepherd, and when the shepherd has us, we have all we need. We ask these things in the great name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.